two months or three months of faithfully being consistent, making a bunch of small decisions all in the same direction, there's going to be a momentum. You're going to end up in a different place. If you change how you're looking at things and the things you're looking at change. Yes, right. But you have to trust that process, that steadfastness vis-a-vis exercise, right? I trust that if I continue to do this, and it also means this, you have to do things even when you don't feel like doing them. You do them anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we fight that. You know, one of my favorite books that I read before I got into any of this was M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled. Mm-hmm. Starts out, life is difficult, but that's a universal truth because once you accept the fact that life is difficult, it no longer is so difficult. Can, can I say something about that? Is um, That is what gets people's attention in Buddhism and proper Christianity too, because that's a radical notion in our culture. Oh, wait, wait, no, wait, that's not right. Like, it's not supposed to be that way. You know, a, a denial of the vicissitudes and difficulties in life as if, as if there's something wrong with me if I'm feeling it. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, Matt. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good. As I can tell, I should take the gum out of my mouth, though. (laughs) Now It's it's real here at the Shepherd and the Shrink. (laughs) (laughs) I think that what God laid on my heart, if you want to put it that way, is potent for a couple of reasons. One is there's a level of fatigue in our lives. There's a level of fatigue in our culture. There's a little level of freaking out in our culture. And yet we're about to celebrate a holiday called Mother's Day of people who live 24-7 with fatigue for those Mm. people, women who have raised us, who have raised children, who have done so much for so many of us. There was a recent study by USA Today, golly, probably 10 years ago now, that said, list the most inspiring woman that you know, or the most inspiring women in history. And the number one answer was my mom. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. And one of the things that, that ties it all together is this living in fatigue, living in times of uncertainty, and yet the incredible human response of being faithful, of faithfulness. And on top of that, there's a huge spiritual component. Um, Proverbs chapter three says this, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Interesting, faithfulness is not love, love is not faithfulness, but there are qualities that obviously pour into one another. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and of people. Yeah. So what, what, what is it? You know, I like to define our terms because that can teach us a lot. So steadfastness is synonymous with faithfulness. Is that correct? That's a part of it. Yeah. But I want to know more though, because sometimes that's all you have to hold on to when you're not feeling it, you Mm. know, like it's always great when you can just feel it. Holy spirit peace and you start being nicer and feeling better. Um, but then life isn't always like that. That's it. And, and that's why I love the word long suffering 
in the Bible, certain translations of patience and God's grace turn into what's called long suffering. So some people get it and some people don't. And I know I can get incredibly distracted. So you're saying it's a distraction for you? That's what, what would interfere with steadfastness? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever's in front of my nose. And I can take this, my goal, which is to be faithful in living in a relationship with somebody, whether it's my wife or my kids or with the peace of mind that I know will come if I make good choices, but I can let something very much distract me. I don't know how you diagnose ADD or ADHD, but sometimes I wonder. Well, the culture is sending messages all the time to get us to think about what they want us to think about whoever's putting the message out and and it's probably not god mm-hmm. so a definition for steadfast and tell me if this is right on in the context of christianity mm-hmm. uh firmly loyal or constant unswerving um i never used that word before in my life unswerving <laughs> great one unswerving think about the implications yeah. faithful fixed or unchanging fixed or unmovable does that work? It does. And I think a lot of people would consider faithfulness boring in our culture. Yeah, let's get back to that because that's interesting because it's everything but. Right. Boring. If you can find that, you know, that zone and, and stay in it. That's a great word for it. Faithfulness is a zone that you're committed to. Yeah, which means that we have to appeal to something outside of ourselves. Right. Because I remember some very difficult times when I just couldn't, what was happening was going to happen. And I just had to accept it. And the only thing to hold on to is um, your, your belief, your faith, your confidence and trust that if I, if I stay unswerving, right, if I don't swerve from this, it's going to be okay eventually. Right. So, so, so take your suffering, don't fight it. Don't resist it. Don't court it. Don't don't ask for it. But sometimes there's nothing that you can do about it. You know, Kathy's chemotherapy, nothing I can do. I'm trapped in it. I can see it. And then the only thing you have, and it doesn't feel great, but what's the alternative is just take it, you know, pray, take it, trust, you know, that even if it kills somebody, you know, you still don't doubt. Right. Look at the words that you just used. Take it trust, accept it. It doesn't mean you, there's nothing passive about any of those things. That's a good point. Yeah. We think acceptance is negative and rather than a positive action, it's not, it involves intention. It involves attention too, intention and uh, attention. And where, where am I going to put my focus? Where am I put my hope? Yeah. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. I mean, suffering is a given because we live in a broken world. That's really different than some of the self-help uh, messages. And I like self-help. It's, it's, it's good. It, it, it'll do mm-hmm. something some for you. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of self-help around, right? There's plenty of that. Then, the, then there's this other thing that's just all on its own, right? Which is the Christian you know, faith and confidence, Yeah. Throughout scripture, there's so much about God's faithfulness. And I think that's just it. Think about this. I read somewhere how many millions of leaves are created every year in trees. Uh We're saying by God who designed the world that human eye never sees. Yeah. But they're there every single year. Yeah. If they fall in the forest, do they make a sound? (laughs) 
I do if I have to rake them up. <laughs> the sound of you complaining. Oh my gosh, as a kid. <laughs> oh, you like that, actually. You like that. I like being digging in the dirt. Raking leaves isn't my favorite. But the idea of the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of the leaves of the tree absorbing the sunlight, transforming it into the energy that the entire rest of the tree needs. There is a faithfulness to that, a faithfulness to the, our planet in orbit at exactly the right way to enable so much. And well, can and, I say, yeah, go. Cause you have me thinking now about the attitude about that, which is this, that those are complex processes to grow a leaf, have it you know, in that ecosystem. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on and it's chemistry and just, and it's energy. It has to be important even though we don't see it, it has to be because there's so much going on there. People and me too have moments of thinking that, and I'm way more complicated than a leaf, right? I mean, that's maybe debatable by some. <laughs> yeah, Kathy probably would say something different. Right. Lee would definitely say something right. different. But but we lose the sight that we're that we matter that we're important, that we're significant, because that's one of the biggest problems that I'm seeing in the people who are suffering from depression, anxiety, is that they feel like they don't matter, that wow. their lives don't matter. Yeah. What they're doing doesn't make a difference whether they try or they don't try. Not only that, but who they are doesn't make a, a, a difference mm -hmm. at all. And yet, if you think about it, God took two tiny little cells and created a new creation of a new cell. And in that one thing that's smaller than your eye can see contains all of the genomes and DNA to create a person. It is no accident. And that that makes its way to birth. That makes its way to growth. That sets the course for this amazing potential that we get to work with. Yeah. And that's yeah. the faithfulness of God, I would say. Do you find when you're talking to a troubled person that um, they, they've lost sort of touch with the idea that, that, that they matter, that they're valuable? There's kind of a miracle, right? The chances of us being born, think about that. Statistically, the chances that every, all those things that had to come together throughout history, throughout the, the, the moment of conception and all that stuff, the fact that all those things had to align. That everything had to work out right. Right. Therefore, I don't matter. It just doesn't even logically make sense, but it feels like that sometimes. Very much. It. And I don't want to diminish that. Right. But I also don't want to support it too much because it's not true. Right. Right. Yeah. It just feels true. Because mm -hmm. we have this sense that, oh, anybody can do that. Anything, you know, faithfulness is boring. It's not exciting. It's not adventurous. It's just blah. Yeah, it doesn't get me um, attention or promotions. It just is. So, so what what will help us? Because uh, sometimes we can't feel it, and then I think that you know what I mean. And we can't even believe it. Sometimes we doubt it. So then that's where I think steadfastness comes in, or long suffering. Yep. Okay. Well, think about somebody who makes a decision to move more, health for a physical health reason, and they start walking. And if they walk a mile a day from doing nothing, maybe they start it. 100 steps a day, because they've been very sedentary, especially coming out of COVID, they're not going to feel in the moment anything happening. But after a month of it, 
or two months or three months of faithfully being consistent, making a bunch of small decisions all in the same direction, there's going to be a momentum. You're going to end up in a different place. If you change how you're looking at things and the things you're looking at change. Yes, right. But you have to trust that process, that steadfastness vis-a-vis exercise, right? I trust that if I continue to do this, and it also means this, you have to do things even when you don't feel like doing them. You do them anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we fight that. You know, one of my favorite books that I read before I got into any of this was M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled. Mm -hmm. Starts out, life is difficult. But that's a universal truth, because once you accept the fact that life is difficult, it no longer is so difficult. Can, can I say something about that? Is um, That is what gets people's attention in Buddhism and proper Christianity, too, because that's a radical notion in our culture. Oh, wait, wait no, wait, that's not right. Like, it's not supposed to be that way. You know, a, a denial of the vicissitudes and difficulties in life as if, as if there's something wrong with me if I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. Right. Very much so. And so what do we do? We're, we're conditioned to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. We're conditioned to avoid suffering. And, and so we do, and we lie to ourselves, and we lie to other people and say, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't have this problem in my life, you know, a real problem. And so what we do is we work our way around it. You know, we eat the frosting before we eat the cake. Mm-hmm. It's good for you. Frosting's bad for you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Give me some dessert now. But the idea is, and I think it, it goes back to the M. Scott Peck thought, do you delay gratification? I think one of the reasons that we don't get to faithfulness, that we don't experience the incredible benefits of faithfulness and perseverance is because we don't delay gratification. We go for the frosting right away. We go for whatever pleasure we think we want right away versus knowing it's going to come when we do the right thing or trusting that we'll be better off doing the right thing now. And so we don't, and we just, and so in order to avoid suffering, we lie to ourselves. We, you know, we go around it. We think we're going around it and somehow we're not ever going to have to suffer when all that does is create what psychosis. Is that what you would call it? Uh, Neurosis, if you want to say that. It could potentially be psychosis. And what ends up happening is my avoidance of the suffering that should be a part of my life, you know, and not all suffering should be a part of your life. But but when I'm avoiding the normal things of my life in order to avoid suffering or having to work hard or long hours or something like that, I end up creating more problems for myself because I'm trying to go around the suffering. I'm trying to find some shortcut or some magic bullet rather than walking through the suffering. Yes. Yeah. Remember when I asked you how many people you knew who had their SH together, you know, and I defined it and I, um, cause I, I said the people who are generally at peace with themselves, comfortable in their own skin, um, you feel better when you talk to that person, not worse. Cause they're not, you know, gossiping or complaining, have a little bit of, uh, serenity or maybe even joy for a living, um, um, are honest with themselves. So they accept themselves in spite of their flaws or shortcomings. How many people do you really know who are generally like that? I think there's more than I first told you when I think about it. Well, and I got to wonder, uh, is someone projecting not you or the other people? Because the mode, which was the most frequent number, and I was asking a lot of people, because I got interested in the question because people were doing what we said earlier, which was they feel bad, therefore they think they are bad. 
uh, or, or they're having some setbacks or failures. So then they feel like they're failures. And then they feel like um, they're embarrassed about it because everybody else has their act together. So I said, well, let's see if that's true. And I started asking them, how many people do you know with that, the criteria I just gave you? And the mode was two. You were an outlier, Matt. Um, you, you said six, as I recall. Okay. But then I started thinking about, okay, maybe we have a sampling issue sampling error because you know you are in the church or maybe uh, you're, you're more positive maybe you're selecting for some of that but it was it was so predictable that people would give me two mm-hmm. how many do you think that you know now way more than that way more than two okay when i stop back and think about it okay and i say generally too i mean yeah. generally i don't mean everybody has to be that 100 percent all the time but in other words that's their mark that identifies them. That's a quality that's pretty stable. Why would you have so many? And the and you could say, well, because you have a clinical sample, uh, Marty. But I was asking people outside of the clinic too. Right. No, you were just asking about that. Yeah. Doing why do you life. think? Why do you think you know so many? I think because I know a lot of people. Number one. Mm, that's I true. That's true. Many of the people that I know are already serving outside of themselves, outside of their work, outside of their home, in addition to serving at their home and their work, they have chosen to live a life of serving other people, of serving in ministries. Oh, okay. There you go. There's an important concept. There's a convergence in our church. Yeah. Okay. So that's really important because here's the paradox. Um, The more we focus on ourselves, generally, the more miserable we become, the more kind and generous and putting other people above us. Yeah. I didn't like that the first time I heard it. I was like, well, that doesn't sound right. You're, you're going to get exploited or something like that. But I'm, I'm learning. I'm beginning to learn the value of that, that, that there's real freedom in that, that, that whole uh, don't be focused on myself all the time, my beliefs, my attitude, my opinions. It's like picking a scab. It's never going to heal if you keep picking it to say, oh, how am I doing today? How am I doing today? How am I doing today? Yeah, but they don't even know it's a scab when they're doing it. They think that's no, the right way. No, they create way. a scab. Yeah, yeah they, right. they think it's, it. a, it's the right way. A little it's scratch a and they keep on messing with it. Like the 70s me generation kind of thing, right? Did that help anybody? Hey, I'll just, you know, um, all my, well, I'll have an open marriage. I'll um, just focus on uh, if it feels good, do it yeah. sort of thing. I remember a t-shirt. My mom actually bought it. it this old lady on a, a motorcycle, probably like Harold and Maude idea or something. If it feels good, do it. That's generally not great. Your advice. mother bought a t-shirt. She bought a t-shirt. Man. Yeah. School, school shopping. We got clothes once a year. <laughs> Well, it's like that other book from the 70s, I'm Okay, You're Okay. And I just want to say, if I'm okay and you're okay, then who the... Where's the problem? Yeah, who's causing all the problems? Yeah, I'm not okay and that's okay. It's kind of where I am right now. I'm not. This is hard. People underestimate how difficult life can be, right? It, it, It is. And you're not a failure because you're you know, struggling against it. But that's what I like about if, if you read the Bible and, you know, try not to impose too much on it or be too selective, you'll see that it's a way to get through a life of suffering. So then later on, you could have some glory, but, but, but don't think it's an easy ride. And if you, if you don't feel great all the time that you're not doing it mm-hmm. correctly. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the circle back. That's why I think it's important. Um, give yourself a little bit of grace, you know, um, a little bit of patience with yourself. You're not a failure if you're having, a matter of fact, the more sensitive you are, the better you love and care about people, the more you'll suffer sometimes because it's a troubled right. world. Right. And 
Jesus himself said that in this world, you will have trouble. I wanted to point out uh, this one scripture and maybe dive into it a little bit. It is from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament and starting in verse one, they have just talked about by faith, all these people who lived and who have died and they died in the faith. But then listen to what he says right before this. Others were tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put into prison. They were stoned, they were sawed into, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised because Christ hadn't come yet. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now, that's just the what he's just say, said. Therefore, starting in chapter 12, verse 1 of Hebrews, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This is not a sprint, is one thing that that tells me, because we are called to run with perseverance. What happens if I sprint? Well, you poop out. Yeah, yeah you cramp up. <laughs> You're going to never finish the race because it's not yeah. a 50 yard dash. Yeah. You'll barf. You'll barf. Right. There's a race that God wants us to run that, okay. that takes that kind of effort. And, and other people have lived this. You're not alone. You're not the first. You're not the only one suffering you, whatever you're going through. You're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So throw off everything that hinders us. That can be our attitudes. That could be some relationships that are not good for us. It could be some internal thinking that we have. Throw off everything that hinders us from this goal, this life of meaning and faithfulness. And throw off the sin that so easily entangles. You know, when you're called to move, but you're all tangled up, Every once in a while, like my foot will fall asleep, but I need to get up and walk, but I can't because it's like my foot is just like all tingly and asleep. And, and so that's like, I think what sin does when it's time to move, we're tangled up. We're enmeshed in this thing and we can't get out of it. Then he says, let us run with perseverance. That's what we're talking about. The race marked out for us. In other words, God's got a plan for us. He's got a goal for every one of our lives. But then verse two says this. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we're not just running aimlessly. We've got a goal and it's Christ-like. And Christianity would say Jesus walked this road and he is with us, but he's also ahead of us. He's been there and he's done that and he's inviting us to join him. So we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. When everything else is clamoring for our attention, that's a pretty rare opportunity to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And listen to this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It's more endurance. Scorning its shame, in other words, mocking the shame of it. And then he sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the seat of power. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you won't 
grow weary and lose heart. Mm-hmm. Say that last part again. I want to think about that. Consider Christ who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Okay. Yeah. I found a quote from St. Mark, the ascetic, and I thought this was really good. And it, 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 it should underscore what you just said. Uh, when you suffer some dishonor from men, recognize at once the glory that will be given to you by God. Delayed gratification, like you said, right? Uh, recognize at once the glory that will be given to you by God. Then you will not be saddened or upset by the dishonor. And when you receive the glory, you will remain steadfast and innocent. Okay. I think that's an important um, message right now because you've seen a lot of that right now. Are you seeing a lot of people bearing an insult or dishonor from another person? We don't seem to know how to do that very well. And I've, and I've been honest with you about that a, a couple of times that's happened and it's bothered me a lot. I got to work with that and figure out what is it that's bothering me about this. It's not that person. It was just a moment in time. What, what is it? We, that's not our nature. Our nature isn't to be Christ-like. It was supposed to be our nature. Mm-hmm. It's Originally not. Yeah. We are good, but flawed. If we could accept that about ourselves, yeah. you are good and you're flawed. Yeah. And somebody could even split hairs on the, are you good? And what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Because people that I know that are most kind of have it together, in my opinion, they know their dark side. It's been out. They've struggled with it. Maybe they've overcome most of it even sometimes. But if you don't know that, you will project it on everybody else. If you don't know your dark side, how could anyone be that selfish? How could anyone be that opinionated? Right. As you give your strong truth claim and mm-hmm. pontificate, right? We have to know that part of ourselves, you know, that we can be pretty bad. Um, we see God, then we have a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're incredibly vulnerable if we don't own up to all of who we are, which is who God wants to deal with. He does not want to deal with some facade. And you, you could, as a, as a, uh, clinician as a doctor you cannot help me unless i share everything that i need to share if if i've got a problem but i say oh no but i've got this hangnail look at my hangnail and i don't let you see the dark side the struggle and it's hard because but that's what a true repentance is um i here's what repentance is because i I was i think i'm getting closer to what the experience is you know um to the point where i can at least say have something to say about it was this it's the act of just oh yeah i did that i'm sorry god and not feeling anything about it it probably isn't going to do anything to transform you or improve you at all when you really see the truth of it like really see the truth of what we were and what we've done um you, you you would grieve that sin if you were serious about it. Now some transformation can happen. But the goal isn't condemnation because that's not our job. It's to accept everything about yourself and then move forward towards God, right? Mm-hmm. That's Galatians what it is. 5.1 says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Yeah, not for covering up our bad stuff. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Because that's what it does. It's kind of, it's counterintuitive though. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. focus on the positive. Yeah. Well, focus on everything. 
And you you have to endure. You have to um, long suffer. Can you say something about the other part of that quote that you had uh, about keeping eyes on Christ? What does that mean? And what does it do? Because it's a real thing. Like, uh, like, you know, you you say that it's a, it's a relationship and not a religion. It it is in a, in a weird way. Mm -hmm. There aren't many parallels to it. Uh, You know, I guess the closest thing I could come is like these teen idols when someone's young or, you know, your fair faucet poster, maybe, I don't know. You feel like, you know, something, but there's a real feeling of uh, a real presence with with Christ in there. So it's a real love, you know, it's not just a a magic, it's not just different. Say something about that. Cause how does that help us? Cause it does. Christ is like the fulcrum to this whole thing. But it sounds banal or trivial to people who, who maybe haven't experienced it. So anyway, go ahead. I, I want to hear what you have to say. Sure. About that. The scripture says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. How do we do that? I think there's a couple things. We believe Christ came 100% human, 100% God, lived 33 years, around 0 AD to around 33 AD, give or take a couple of years based on the calendar system you use. But then Christ left, ascended to heaven, and gave us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Guide, the Encourager, all these names for the Spirit. And it's not just like a ghost that flows around. It is the mind of Christ in you. And so for us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, is not just in my memory or just from reading the scripture. We need to read the scripture because that is inspired by God Mm -hmm. to enable Mm -hmm. us to walk it. So when it says, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we need to realize who he was, what he was about, truth and love, and we can have his presence with us. This is really freaky stuff. We do not do life alone. Christianity is not a religion. It's not about what I do or what I don't do. It is about a relationship, a living, breathing relationship that I have with Christ in my marriage, in my parenting, in my home, in my work, in my free time. And this, the, in my goals, like if, if running this race is like a goal for your life, we do it with our eyes focused on Christ. Yeah. And, and, uh, and what's the experience of that, right? What's the experience yeah. of that? It's not always feeling, but what comes with it, Galatians chapter five says, the result of the spirit is love. Yeah. yeah. Capacity beyond my own ability. Love. The second one is joy, not grim and dull and boring, but vivid and full and hilarious. Love, joy, peace which doesn't just mean taking a bubble bath and going up on a mountain. It is a peace in the midst of the storm mm-hmm. of joy, peace, patience. And that kind of goes with what we're talking about. This perseverance, this realizing it all just doesn't come to me when I want what I want, that there is a process to it. And patience helps it like lubricates the gears of the engine of who I am. And that's one of the roles of patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, really wanting the best for the other person and treating them that way. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
goodness is an act of serving. It's doing something. I can't just be good and say I'm good and call it good. It's what I do. It shows up in my actions and my choices for the people around me and the people I don't know. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Faithfulness is a dependability that people can know who you are, that people can come to rely on you. And here's the thing about all of these. Christ doesn't give them to us when he comes into our lives, only for our own sakes. Every one of these virtues, every one of these fruits, results of the Spirit, is for it benefits all the people around us. It's not a neutral thing. If God is not in my life, that doesn't leave me neutral. It leaves me with gaping holes in every way, in every arena of my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which is not weak. Gentleness is bridled strength. And then the last one is self-control. And we did a whole podcast a couple of weeks ago on self-control. Yeah. Now, who wouldn't want that? That doesn't sound boring. Right. <laughs> Right. What would the world be like if we had uh, 25% more of that? What would, what would happen? If it makes a life worth living mm-hmm. to have that inside, you know, then, then we get lost. And you're not, you know, it's like if I'm in this race of my life, if I'm doing this, if I'm looking for victory and what God would have me look for victory in, which doesn't mean over other people, it just means his best for my life. But if I'm so self-focused that I'm taking my pulse, I'm checking my stats all the time. I'm checking yeah. to see how I look when I'm running this race of my life. Yeah. I'm never going to get there. Did, did I get a selfie so I can um, exercise? Exactly. Yeah. That's why I think it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, not on ourselves." So we're not like, you know, holding up our phone, like, look at me in this race, being generous or whatever. No, it just fix your eyes on Jesus and go for it and forget about yourself. Especially when it's tough because the word patience, you know, the etymology of the word, I mean, it's, it has to do with suffering, right? Like I see patience. I know, and it's spelled differently, but you know, the, the, the root of that is the one who suffers is the, is the patient. It's showing patience when things are going your way is no trouble at all, but it's what is the attitude that we take when we're suffering? That is what we're talking about with long suffering. What's the attitude, the quality of my being, my focus, my attention, Mm. right? I think it combines to give us hope and joy. I mean, literally it says, Jesus, keep our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the creator of our faith. And here's, here's what, why he did what he did. He said, for the joy set before him. So his journey was toward joy and in the midst of it was joy. But listen to what it was. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy to me, the best definition I know, it's this love seen all the way through. Love seen all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Love completed. There's nothing left after that has been completed, but this joy that spills out all over everybody. Very good. Be a pretty good way to live. But the way there is realizing running the race with perseverance keeping our eyes on Jesus, laying aside the sin and the crap that entangles us. 
Yeah. Carry your cross, suffer through it um, until it passes with full confidence that what you said earlier is true. There's a plan here. I don't understand it. I'm too, too small to understand it, but there is one. I know there is one. Trust that outside of myself. Yeah. It's beyond life. It's beyond death, but it's to be lived in the middle of life in all of its forms. Hey, let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much that when we feel like we're not making a difference, you are saying, you just be faithful. You just be faithful. I've got this. That we are not in a sprint in this thing called life, but we are in a marathon and it requires endurance, which is strength spread out over a whole lot of circumstances. Lord, I know that there are so many areas of demand in our lives, and yet you've called us to this endurance because we're in it for the long haul. Lord, I pray that you would connect people to you, that you would connect people to help that they need, that you would connect people to the race that you have laid out before them, a beautiful opportunity for them in their lives and for us in our lives. And so we offer all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.